Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Last year, um, as we were beginning to respond to COVID, um, I heard this uh, podcast, this interview by, uh, by Dr. Ted Baer. Um, and he was talking about the future of the music industry, uh, movie industry. Um, Dr. Ted Bear, he is the founder, uh, founder and publisher of Movie Guide. And movie Guide is basically uh, it's, a, it's a family guide to selecting um, entertainment, uh, and their their goal or whatever is to try to teach people how to discern. Um, uh, discern their entertainment or to choose, how, how do I choose the, the movies or the television that I'm going to watch? They, wanna, they, they don't want to lay down a bunch of rules, but just teach people how to, how to, how to think for themselves. Um, so in this interview, Dr. Bear, he was talking about um, the movie industry uh, was changing and that COVID was going to you know, kind of hurry that along. And, and he, he started to explain, he talked about how in the 19th century, um, each town had a bandstand. And the, the best local musicians would get together at the bandstand and they would play for, you know, whoever in the town would come. Some of the musicians actually made their living doing this. They, 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 they would uh, they'd play nightly and everybody would, uh, would come there to hear music. Uh, and then in the, in the early 1900s, um, people began to play music on the radio. Uh, and... They started listening to music at home. Uh, this music and, and radio shows and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, and bandstands started to disappear. And the, uh, the people who actually got to play live and in person and got paid to do it were the, the musicians who got actually played on the radio or who were good enough to play nationally and would tour around and this transition started to be made. And I mean, like I said, no more bandstands. It was, it was a different thing. So Dr. Bear believed the same thing was going to happen to the movie industry. Um, that most of the movies that we would watch, we'd watch at home, streamed on Netflix or whatever. And the theater would only be the kind of place where huge movies would come out. Um, and it, it would turn into something similar to um to like a broadway show so when you went to the when you went to the theater it would be more similar if you've ever been to a broadway show it'd be more of a lot more like that experience and obviously more expensive and lots of movie theaters would close and this is what you know he was talking about this last march and i'm listening to him talk about it and i'm like this is ridiculous (laughs) this is idiotic um and obviously it's starting to feel like he's right (laughs) it's starting to feel like uh he might he may be right um and so things, things are changing, changing for the movie industry. And honestly, even if we wanted to, I don't think we can go back to how it was before. Um, COVID has changed lots of things. Um, and, and while I think we're all excited to get back to our lives or, you know, our, our work or school or, what, you know, we want, to bet, we want things back to normal. There are some things that have changed that are not going back to how they were. 
Um, and I think that's okay. I, you know, as Jesus followers, we don't have to be afraid of that or we don't have to worry about that. Um, things changed, have changed all throughout history and God's been the same and we can count on that. But uh, it's just good to acknowledge it. It's good to say, yeah, these things have changed and it's gonna, it's, it, is, it is how it is. I'm wondering if church is one of those things that if how churches is, is going to be done post-COVID or pre, you know, after pandemic world and all of these things, we're doing, I wonder if it's going to be different than, than how it, once, you know, it was before this. And I, I honestly think that it's very likely it's true. Um, and I don't, I don't know everything about what that means, um, but, but, but what I do know is that it's an opportunity to trust God for the future. God has the future no matter what it is or no matter what it's going to look like, no matter if it's what we would pick or what we wouldn't pick. Um, and so I think, though, it's important that we are reminded of what church is supposed to be, though, as we're all trying to figure out what church is going to be in the future, as we figure that out together as a church, it's, it's important to be reminded about what God intended church to be in the first place, though, so we don't get away from any of that or we don't change that. So as we figure out you know, what God wants for our future, we want to align with what the truth of what God says church is. So I'm starting, I'm starting this series today on the book of Titus. And I'm going to do something different than I normally do when I, when I do a series. Uh, I, I, I typically, um, I'll typically just try to run through the whole thing. So we're, we're, we're going to go through the whole book. It's a short book. It's only three chapters, probably like 45 verses or something like that. But um, we're going to do it in chunks at a time. Uh, so we're, we're going to do a three-part series now. But then later on in the year, I'll come back and do a couple more series where we focus on different parts of the book. Um, if you know my sermon style or my teaching style, you know, I like to take just a little part and focus on that. Uh, and so you're out to put up with that. Sorry. So um, the book of Titus is written, is written by an early church leader named Paul. And certainly he's more than that. I, when I talk about him, I, I, I call him an early church leader, but he's, he's more than that. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, Paul's writing a letter to a person that he taught uh, to follow Jesus named Titus. And, and he means for Titus to share this letter with everyone. The book, the letter's to Titus, but he writes it in a way where he wants everyone to, 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 to hear this letter that, that he's written specifically to Titus. And it's, it's for these people in a place called Crete. Crete's an island, um, with several little towns all over it. It's close to, you know, it's, it's part of Greece now. Um, and, uh, there, there, there have been lots of little churches all throughout, throughout there, but like, you know, none probably bigger than 50. 50 would have been a big church um, for them. So this, these little churches are valuable, though. They're valuable to the Lord and certainly to Paul since he's helped start them. And, 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 here, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. The people in their churches, although they, they have no idea how church is supposed to work. They don't have all the history that we have. They don't, they don't, They've not seen it done, lots of these guys. All these guys, um, you know, they're not Jewish. Uh, they don't have the Old Testament to lean on. They, they're just walking into this, starting a church, and they're like, so what do we do now? And Paul writes in this letter to say, this, this is what I mean. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how this is supposed, supposed to work. And, and this letter is meant to help with, help with that. So, um, Honestly, in real life, most of us have no idea how God wants church to work in a post-pandemic world. We don't know what he wants to do in the future. So I feel like what Paul's saying to Titus in this, in this letter 
can help us also remember, oh yeah, we're supposed to be doing that. Or, oh yeah, we're supposed to be about this. Or, oh yeah, let's be, let's be, let's not take that away from what we're supposed to be about. So let me begin reading this letter. Um, and we you know, go through this together as we, uh, as we find our way. So this is what it says. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by, by uh, the command of God, our savior to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our savior. Uh, Rex and I were talking yesterday about, uh, you know, sometimes if you read any of the, this is called a pastoral letter or pastoral epistle, but that means, you know, he's basically trying to shepherd people with this letter. Um, sometimes you want to skip this part because it's kind of like the intro. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I feel you on that. Um, I, as I was getting ready for this, though, I, I learned that Paul has some things to say to us in it. So uh, he, he starts this thing with an announcement of who he is. Um, and he's not announcing it like, you know, uh, you know, if I had a PhD and I said, hey, everybody, I'm Dr. Canty, I'm really important. He's not, it's not his interest at all. It's, it's far better than that. He has a purpose in why, you know, why he introduces himself the way he does and the order he, he, he uses it. Um, so he starts out by saying, I'm a servant of God. So many of you guys know that Paul um, originally wrote this letter, not in English, um, and so it had to be translated for us to understand it. And, and, and sometimes when people translate from Greek to English, it was really originally written in Greek. Sometimes when they translate it, they soften it down. Um, they, they, they give it to us. They give it, obviously in our culture, everybody's, you know, we're so quickly offended and we don't like things so much. So sometimes when they translate something, they, they, they kind of make it nicer for our ears to hear. And this is, in my opinion, this is kind of what has been done right now um, for, you know, for, it's just a softer version. So what I, what I think what Paul actually said might have been something like this. Paul, God's lowest slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, so in, in 2021, we don't like the idea of anybody being a slave. It bothers us. Slavery is, is something that we think is, is always terrible and gross. Uh, and certainly, you know, we wouldn't want to be announced that way. 2,000 years ago, and 2,000 years ago, slavery meant, you know, probably something similar often for them is it meant you, you were nothing, you owned nothing, you, 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 you couldn't make any of your own choices. We talked before about how the lowest slave often was the person who washed feet in that culture. Um, the, this lowest slave was, was a person who, who would, would take care of that job as people entered the, entered the home of the master, the lowest servant job. So Paul walks in the room, he strolls in the room, he says, everybody, let me tell you who I am. I'm God's lowest foot washing slave. That would be a better translation of what Paul meant to say. And 2,000 years ago, um, sometimes people were owned by really cruel masters, and the, the early church would, would pool their money 
to buy slaves out of that, those situations, uh, away from masters of, you know, who, are, who are cruel. But sometimes, sometimes people would choose to be slaves. They would pick it. They would sell themselves in slavery to a master who, who they thought was nice and they got to live indoors and they got to eat. And so that person would, and obviously, so, and again, I don't know, all my white friends in the room, I don't know if you, 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 you know this, but like t- talking about a context where somebody would pick slavery for black people is just, mm, uh, this is the life that Paul has chosen. This is the life that he has picked. And then he strolls in the room and introduces himself that way. He has chosen to be a slave. And Paul knows that Paul knows this. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why he's chosen to be a slave. Paul knows that everybody's a slave to something. Everybody's a slave to something. He knows what Jesus said when he was on the earth. Jesus said, everybody who sins is a slave to sin. Every person who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is your cruel master and you don't have the will to resist him. Sin is the abusive spouse that you keep going back to over and over and over again, no matter how much he beats you down. Paul says this in a different letter. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now, now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result It's eternal life. Sign me up for that slavery. (laughs) Sign me up for that slavery. I want to be a slave of God because he's the most generous master. And if I'm going to be a slave to somebody anyway, maybe we would do well to introduce ourselves that way. Uh, Good good morning. My name is Daryl. I'm a slave of God. Forget the pastor stuff. Forget... that's, I'm, a, I'm the lowest slave. And Paul also introduces himself as the apostle of Jesus Christ. So, and some of you guys, maybe you experienced this before. In, 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 uh, in religious circles, this can be a little bit of a confusing title. Um, I, there, are, there are people today who call themselves apostles. Uh, and I can't say that it's outright wrong. I don't, I don't, I'm, that's not my business. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, the, the word apostle in the Bible most often meant somebody who had seen Jesus risen from the dead and someone who had been sent directly from Jesus. So I've seen Jesus and Jesus came up and he said, you do this. That, that's, how the, that's how the word apostles often used um, in the Bible. So it, and it's used a little bit. There are a couple of times where it's used differently than that, but most of the time it's, the, the word apostle actually means sent out. So technically we're all apostles and that because Jesus has sent us out to, to live out his mission, his but Paul's using it, this title in a different sense. And he, 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 I think that everyone knows that. When he says, hey, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Everyone's like, oh, 
Uh, And he's saying, I've seen Jesus risen from the dead. And he's given me the specific job to come talk to you. To come see you. Paul is a slave, the lowest slave of God, but he also carries this kind of authority when he walks into the room. Um, in, in his writings, he, he's saying, hey, submit to me because I've seen Jesus and he sent me. It's, it's similar to this. Um, some of you guys know if you've ever had a lawyer who represents you, um, that lawyer can, can go into business deals and they can sign for you, basically. And what basically they're doing is they're committing you to whatever they sign, they, they sign up for. And in a way, they speak for you. They carry all your authority. This is, that, that's what Paul's claiming right now. He's coming in the room and he's saying, let me start this off really good. I'm the lowest, lowest slave. I'm nobody, but I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. So you got to do what I say because I'm speaking for Jesus. I'm coming with all the authority of Jesus Christ. And this is, you know, so Paul is an early church leader, like I always say, but this is kind of what sets him apart. This is, this is more than that. Sometimes when I'm talking with my pastor friends, we're all kind of trying to think through what the Bible is and what it means and how do we explain it to people. And one of my friends was talking about the idea that the Bible is just the people of the early church working out their faith. And to some extent that's true, but in some extent that's, it's way different than that because and here's why these guys the people who wrote wrote the new testament i saw jesus risen from the dead and he sent me personally to do this that's a little bit different than us working out our faith together Paul says, I'm the lowest slave of God and I'm an agent of Christ. And here's why, here's why. Here's the what for. Here's here's why I'm showing up. This is my business. This is what he says. To further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which leads to godliness. This This is my reason why. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm showing up. This is why I'm enduring all the ridiculous things that have to come to me. Um, Lots of people think that this is getting closer to Paul's death when he writes this. So, he wants to finish the work that God has given him to do. Um, have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that the right reason, the right reason why, can change everything? So, if you and I were at a, at a dock by the sea, we're walking, we're walking by the dock, and I, I say to you, "Hey, um, why don't you jump in that water?" You would say, "I'm not jumping in the water." <laughs> you wouldn't. You, I say, what if I give you a dollar? I'll give you a dollar, you jump in the water. You wouldn't do that. Some of you have seen on YouTube a video of a little girl about five years old sitting on the edge of the dock. She gets pulled into the water by a sea lion. If you've never seen this video, it's... Without hesitation, there's a man standing there and he jumps in the water. Without hesitation. Now, I don't know how big sea lions are. I, don't, I just know if I get in the water, I'm in their territory. But without hesitation, this man jumps in the water. And you know, if you had walked by 10 seconds before that, you walk by and say, hey, bro, why don't you jump in the water with that thing? He'd be like, I'm not jumping in the water. And then boom, he's in the water. Why? You changed his why. You changed his why. You said, oh, 
You're taking my kid in the water. He he probably would have jumped in lava to to save his kid. You change, if you've got a good why, that changes everything. It changes everything. So Paul is leading off with, this is my why. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Right away, he's clarifying the why. He's saying, this is why I'm doing this. Um, This is why I'm sacrificing my life. This is why God has given me this job. He says three three things. He says, furthering the faith of God's chosen people, God's elect, their knowledge of the truth, which leads to godliness or being like Christ. And, And four incredible whys. This is why. This is why. Furthering the faith of God's chosen people. Um, then it's a saving faith. This is, this is how we're saved. Uh, there's not, when, you, when you and I are in heaven for the first 10 minutes, our work doing this furthering the faith is going to be the, that's the only thing that's going to matter. It's the only thing that's going to matter to us. Furthering that faith. The Bible talks about that without faith it's impossible to please God. So yeah, it's important. It's important that that kind of faith is birthed and furthered and the people that we are, that we love and that we're surrounded. Paul says, I'm here to help you trust God with your lives. And not just with your lives, with your eternity. And that's a strong, that's a strong why. That's a strong why. That's what we should be doing anyway. And then the knowledge of the truth. Um, this is so important in determining what's really true. And obviously in our culture, this is super, super difficult if you, you, we also, you're, if, you're, if you're engaging the culture at all, agreeing on what's true is very, very hard. But deep down, whether we agree on what the truth is or not, we know the power of the truth is gigantic. The truth, I've shared with some of you guys before this. Uh, so my, my wife watched a documentary about hot dogs are made and now she won't eat them anymore. And here, so here you see the power of the truth. Here's the truth about how these things are made. That truth changed her behavior. And that's the reason why I won't watch it because I don't want my behavior changed. I want to eat hot dogs. And if I know the truth, maybe I wouldn't eat them. That is the power of the truth. It is the power of the truth to change our behavior. Paul knows that if he can get people to see the truth, that their behavior will change, which brings us to the last, the last, the last why, the last part of his why. Truth leads to godliness. If you know the truth, it Once when Jesus was talking to some folks, he said this. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you you are really my disciples. So I I love that. I love that because it clarifies, you're not my disciple because you like me or you think what I say is nice. If you hold to what I say, then you're my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is, when you know it, leads to godliness. It leads to becoming like Christ. And because Christ is, is powerful, for, you, know, you know that. When you know his love, when you know his forgiveness, when you know his caring, he is, is everything we want to be and more. When you know the truth about who he is, 
when you know the truth about how much you've been forgiven, um, when we know him, the real him, we want to be more like him. So, so many people have never met a Jesus like that. Many people have never met a compelling Jesus that they say, I want to be like that. They met, they met the kind of Jesus that condemns them and tells them how awful they are, but they've never met a Jesus that says, that's compelling. I want to be more like that. They don't know the truth. And so Paul is showing up with that kind of truth. The truth that leads to godliness. And when you combine those three, you, you know, you've got furthering your faith, you've got the knowledge of the truth and, and, and the godliness that comes from the truth. You've got everything it means to be a Jesus follower. This, this you know, the trifecta. So I, even though I'm not an apostle, I'm not an apostle, I would never claim that. I consider this my why. This is my why for being here. Uh, furthering your faith and your knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. That is my why. That is why, that, that, that is why I stayed, I've stayed here to be part of this church. That's why I'm committed to you. I want to see that in each person's life. This, this, we, we talked about this yesterday when I was with, uh, with our elders, Rex and Michael. We want to see our church family, your faith furthered and with the truth that leads to godliness we want to see that in each of your lives desperately and here's why we love you we love you and this is why god's put us in in this in this in these roles these lowest servant roles to see that it comes back come about in your life his slave his lowest slave Sent here to bring those things about. And here's what your part is. Here's what your part is. To cooperate. To cooperate with this purpose. This purpose. Furthering your faith. The knowledge of the truth. That leads to godliness. Bringing it about in your life. Spreading that to the people that you love. Often. um, Often. When. We interact with with other pastors, um, or or uh, if I interact as a pastor, I interact with um, with a congregation. I want to begin with godliness. When people walk in the door, I want them to be godly, just like that. <laughs> and if you're not that way, I want to shove it down your throat. All this begins with this, though. Furthering your faith by the knowledge of the truth. That leads to godliness. That leads to godliness. I think if we reach towards those things together, it will result in our church family becoming, becoming more Christ-like, more godly. So, okay, check it out. Um, we're going we're gonna to do communion together today. Um, again, if you're watching online, love for you to do it with us, um, even though you're not here in person. And, and here's, what, here's what that can mean. Uh, I, I say often, find a, a piece of bread to eat and set, set aside a glass of water and <clears throat> be willing to commit to cooperating with our church leadership to see your faith furthered, your knowledge of the truth increased, and let that truth lead you to godliness.
I'm asking you to be willing to, uh, to cooperate with that. During this communion time, I want you to, to make that decision. To make that decision. Would you be willing to commit to your role as a slave of Christ and furthering the faith of others then? Uh, to embrace the truth that you are a slave of God, that you don't have any rights of your own. One of my, one of my, favorite, one of my favorite things, um, that, when I say favorite, it's, it's being sarcastic. One of my favorite things to hear people say is, is I deserve. Okay. When I hear Jesus followers say, I deserve. What a blessing it is that we get anything that we get. We've got lots of great things to be thankful for. But I think personally, and you don't have to agree with me, but as Jesus followers, you don't deserve anything. You deserve to turn your life over to Christ so that he can make something of it. Maybe uh, during this time frame, as we take communion together, we turn over those rights. We turn over the right to say, I deserve anything ever again in our lives. Our rights belong to Christ for his good purposes. So let's commit, let's recommit ourselves to being that kind of church today as we take communion together. Um, And let's pray together. Uh, Dear Father, I pray that as as lowest, lowest slaves to, to each other, toward one another, and certainly to you, you would, uh, you would help us to be committed to furthering the faith of God's people and their knowledge of the truth, which leads to godliness. And I pray that in this post, uh, this, this world that's moving towards a post-COVID world, hopefully that it can be somewhat somewhat different than we've experienced this as last year. Um, we, can, we can get to something that, that would feel some relief from that. Um, that as we figure out what you want your church to be, the Arbor Bridge Church to be, that you would, uh, you would help us have clear vision that there are some parts of it that are not going to change. And the, thing that, 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 that the things that aren't going to change are we're your slave. We do what you say. And it's all about furthering faith, knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Help us to give up those, give up our rights or our, our imaginary rights that we, you know, we think we have as Jesus followers for whatever the things that we want to do so that you might have access to every corner of our life to fulfill your purposes. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.